0: Welcome to another episode of the No Ceilings Podcast. I'm Tyler Metcalf, joined as always by Tyler Rucker. Rucker, it's 2023.
1: How are we doing? Doing good, Metcalf. Um, You know, I I reached sicko mode last night and what i mean by that is you know the late late night warrior is back i think i'm running on four hours of sleep i was up all night doing stuff for no ceilings and watching film and you know didn't sleep much but um, you know coffee in the morning we're back at it let's roll baby so this one's gonna be i'm really really pumped about this episode what i meant to say is i don't know if i only slept four hours because i was so excited for this episode I, i have a feeling everyone's gonna really enjoy this one how are you doing
0: fantastic and I'm dealing with a, a little bit of a new setup over here uh technology wise so if there are any major let or screw-ups um which would be just so unlike me uh that is why I'm blame blaming technology in my environment definitely not my fault so but like you said I'm very excited for this episode it should be a good one uh doing something eh, not necessarily a little different but talking about guys who aren't necessarily franchise changers they're not going to be these guys who t- take a bad team too good or great but they could be these guys who elevate a good team to great they could take that you know six seven eight seed to potential home court advantage they could be the missing piece in the rotation um, when you think of guys like this um, what's kind of your philosophy overall like in terms of the draft and nba world what, what how do you view these guys in general
1: i i almost think they're underappreciated i i think they're overlooked sometimes you know we um we're all guilty of it as as evaluators and as fans but i think when we look at the draft we're always trying to find the superstars the guys that could potentially be a building block to take a franchise to the next level and i i think when you get to a certain point in the draft there's you know, we talk, we make the joke about it being a baseball analogy. It's like, you don't always have to swing for the fences. Sometimes you sit, you hit singles and doubles. You can really do some damage when it comes to carrying a organization to the next level. But I think, you know, a lot of people refer to these guys as glue guys um, connecting pieces, a, a piece of the puzzle. You know, I think me and you were even joking about calling it, you know, ceiling risers like guys that you raise the ceiling of a potential organization. And, They're really important. Um, It's really fun to dream about finding the, you know, number two guys and the number three guys and the potential all-stars, but you need to have rotation. You need to have depth and you need to have some, some weapons in your arsenal to, you know, run out when you get in those playoff series. You you can't just only have five guys. You got to have guys that can step up and potentially change the momentum of a game by, you know, just having a big night. And I, I think there's, some interesting players in every draft class that, you know, really can, I think we've seen it, um, with some of these previous classes, there's value everywhere. Um, what about yourself? I mean, I've never really asked you about this type of philosophy, which is why I was so excited to do this, but you, I mean, are you buying in on the idea of like, Hey, we don't need to always swing for, for upside and potential. There's guys that could just do the dirty work really help everyone be better.
0: Yeah, I, I, they're one of my kind of favorite archetypes because, you know, the, the term role player has such a negative connotation behind it where it's like, oh this guy's just a role player. It's like, really? Ro- role players win championships. Like, ask LeBron how much he's missing his role players from their bubble championship team. Right. Caruso, Kuzma, you know, all those guys. Like, those are the guys who take your team from being, you know, a playoff team to a legitimate contender. And, you know... And they're guys I always struggle to really get a good or accurate rating on when it comes to draft rankings and stuff because I just love them so much. but at the same time, based on where you're picking in the draft, a lot of the time it makes sense to take that home run swing based on what team it is. So it gets tricky you know the the number one guy I always go back to is uh, Mikhail bridges who I just absolutely adored coming out of Villanova like so many other people did. And he's been that piece. Like I don't think I'm stepping out of line here saying Bridges isn't the number one or number two guy on a championship team. There are very few of those guys in the league, but every team in the league wants him in their starting lineup and he makes any team better. And those are the kind of guys where if you're in a really kind of interesting spot In terms of roster construction, and you have one or two really promising pieces, you just want to fill your team up with these types of guys. And, you know, the Memphis Grizzlies are another team who are doing that exact same thing.
1: Yeah. I mean, just a couple of names off the top of my head, but you're talking the Grant Williams, you know, uh, go late, goes 22nd in the first round. And, all of a sudden, you you be patient with him, and he turns out to be an unbelievably important piece of a puzzle. And um, you know, Desmond Bain goes thirtieth, and you know you're not not always going to find you know one of the best wings in the league at the thirtieth overall pick. Bain's probably an outlier, but mm-hmm. Keldon Johnson goes twenty ninth. You know, there's value all over the draft. It's not just the lottery. You can find some really intriguing pieces and it also goes to teams that um, show patience with their development and don't rush it and don't panic. If a guy's not, you know, clicking in year two um, or year one. And it's just when you allow confidence to build with some of these guys that, you know, like you're saying are role players, but teams in free agency go hunt role players, guys that could help them take the next step up. And if you can find them in the draft and that makes things a lot easier, if you can, keep them homegrown and, and extend them. And all of a sudden they just start being another building block in your organization. So I I think there's this is an over or underappreciated category when we're talking about looking for prospects and types of players. And you know, we always say like, oh, okay, like the stars or um, who are the the sleepers where it's like, well, maybe we need to add another category of like, okay, maybe these are some connecting pieces. Maybe these are the the ceiling guys. They, they won't average 20 a game, but they might come in and, and really help your team make better. Or maybe they're just a wild card that you're like, hey, they're in the rotation. Some nights they might not have it. Some nights they might be, we can't, can't keep them off the floor. We got to let them take over. So it's a really fun um, idea. And that's why I'm excited to talk to you about it.
0: Yeah, so I I think the first one that I would like to start with is small forward from what I think is the best team in the country so far, UConn. Um, Andre Jackson, 6'6", 210-pound yeah. wing, averaging 6.4 points, 6.1 rebounds, 5 assists, 1.5 steals on 36, 29, 71 shooting splits. Not ideal shooting numbers, but he might be the best athlete in the country. Um just psychotic defender, exciting playmaker, just so much of what he does. It feels unorthodox and weird and funky, but it just, it works. And his energy is so high. Um, I just continue to fall in love with Jackson's game despite the shooting struggles, which is kind of rare for me. So where are you at with Andre Jackson?
1: He's quickly becoming one of my favorite guys in this class. And I'm not saying like a favorite guy of like, oh, he's got to be a top 20 pick. But he is just an absolute, like, <laughs> I'm trying to choose my words wisely so I we don't get banned. But um, he's becoming a headache. Uh, it's almost becoming like a migraine because the numbers tell you no. And then you watch him and you're like, wait, this this could be fun and this could work and this could be crazy. And I joked with the no ceilings group and I was like, he's, he's Crash bandicoot on the court. Um, he's just kind of, you know, a, a chaos machine and it's almost like you watch him and then it's two different worlds of like amazement where you're just like, Oh my gosh, slow down. You're going so crazy. You're out of control. It's, it's like, it's like a freight train that has no brakes. And sometimes it's awesome. And you're like, yeah, speed up. (laughs) Or sometimes you're like, you need to relax. You know, he looks like he took 15 espresso shots before the game, but he flies everywhere and he's all over the place. He's lengthy. Um, you know, a bit of a hot take, but I, I, I joked with the, the squad and I was like, Hey, everyone talks, everyone talks about the Thompson twins as, as these incredible athletes. I was like, Andre Jackson would like to have a word. I mean, this dude is a freight train. He, I mean, he's unbelievably gifted, and he just moves at crazy speed. And there's when he's changing directions, there's, like, barely in any, you know, deceleration. It's just a blur. So, um, I don't know, Metcalf. I, he's one of those guys, the more I watch, I'm like, someone's going to roll the dice because he's, he's just a game wrecker. He literally can... If you throw him in the rotation and you're like, hey, we're just going to let him run wild and we're yeah. going to live with whatever happened. Some games he might completely shift the momentum of a game for your team. Other games you might be like, Andre doesn't have it tonight. <laughs> like, okay, <laughs> let's get somebody else. But I mean, an NBA team, if you need a spark in your rotation, you might look at yourself and be like, hey, Andre Jackson does a lot of crazy stuff on the court. Um, so I don't know. Where are you at with him?
0: Um, I I haven't been in my top 25. Right oh, now.
1: Gosh, I love um, this. I cannot wait for the text you're going to get tomorrow morning. I'm going to be just literally pouring. I'm going to be like, yes, <laughs> let's do this.
0: I I know the shooting numbers are bad. And yeah. the last two games they haven't made them better. Um, I think it was like 0 for 5 and then 5 of 14. Um, oh, I got some Xavier splits game. for you. I got
1: some uh, splits for you. Whenever whenever you're done talking, uh, I'll throw some
0: splits. Yeah, no, I, we'll, we'll get to those. But I, I, I think the Xavier numbers are a lot worse. Then they really were, you know, because they're like five of those at times came in the last two minutes when they were just chucking, you know, and none of them are bad looks. He even hit a side like a step back three after a nasty jab step. Um, I was like, oh, shit. OK, um, I mean, his mechanics are gross, though, but it's literally everything else he does where it's like this is NBA stuff. This is NBA speed. This is NBA processing. This is NBA defense. This is NBA process or passing. There isn't anything that he does on the floor besides the shooting that's like, do you really belong in the NBA? Everything's there. It's all there. So I I didn't prep you for this, but there, I'm going to be asking for comps throughout this episode. Because, oh, gosh, no. Um, yep, no, we're doing it. Um, because with, with these guys, I think it's even more important because it's harder to kind of get a sense of who could this guy be in the NBA if he's not that number one option. Because with the number one or number two options you know they're they can be whatever they want to be you know it's they 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 have that freedom but with these role players again that's a term of endearment around here with these role players it's harder to kind of figure out where they fit in if you don't think about who's already doing what they do or who's already done what they've done so one i I ran a query on Bartorvik with uh, andre jackson's numbers and All of these queries go back to 2008. Um, He is one of seven players to have a defensive rebounding percentage of at least 19, assist percentage of at least 28, a block percentage of at least 2.5, and a steal percentage of at least three. The other names on that list are Evan Turner, John Conchar, Ethan Happ, Kyle Anderson, Draymond Green, and Ritas Petritis, a freshman from Air Force, whose numbers are bonkers this year, but that's future discussion. That's a really good group of guys. Those are guys who are exactly what we've, what we're talking about with these lineup ceiling raisers, these guys who can you really build a team around them? Probably not. No. But do they make everyone else on the court better? Yes. A thousand percent. And then when you factor in Jackson, having that kind of similar play style and then factor in his freakish athleticism, it's like, God, what could this guy really be at the next level?
1: He, every time I watch him, I convince myself I was like, "Someone's gonna do it. Someone is gonna say yes. This is this is worth the this is worth the swing." Because I'm right there with you. The The outside shots, you know, it looks like it belongs in the Michael Jackson thriller video. It's that scary. Like, but everything else is an NBA guy. And you know, Andre Jackson's been buzzing. He got some buzz last year, and then I the shot was just like okay and it's inconsistency but when he's cooking it is like whoa this dude does everything he he has gorgeous reads he makes um bullet passes and it's it's he knows where to go with the ball before he even catches it um he has some you clipped one on on social media but that chase down block he had on Cam Whitmore it was like him baiting him. It was just, it was literally like, yeah, oh, come on that
0: all the time. He, and he, it's psychotic. <laughs> it, it really is. Because I I think the clip you're talking about was the, the full court press steal. I'm assuming. No, no,
1: no. He had one, didn't Whitmore dr- drive on him. And he had, uh, oh, yeah, yeah.
0: He, yeah, he like,
1: it was like, yeah, go, go ahead. Beat me. Yeah. And because he go, he's going at a different speed than everyone. Like he is in fast forward when everyone's just in play. And that's what's crazy about me is it, it watching him is I'm like, this dude's going to be fast at the NBA level. Like he moves faster than some of these guys move. And it's just because he could stay going hundred miles an hour and quickly shift. And he goes from 195 and right back up to hundred. And that could hurt him sometimes because he does get out of control. And it's one of those, you're, <laughs> I imagine a coach is just like pulling his hair out. Cause he's like, hold on, Andre, hold on, Andre. Like, just, whoa, 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 whoa. And then, but like, I I ran through his numbers and it's one of the funniest splits throughout the year. And, and, um, so everyone bear with me. I'm going to throw a lot of numbers at you real quick. And I thought you would enjoy this. So his first four games of the year, I think he was banged up early in the year and like came back and was trying to work the rust off, but I'm sorry. I
0: don't think he started every game this year.
1: Yes. So first four games, he just starts out the year. Just not pretty. Um, 2.3 points, 3.8 rebounds, 3.8 assists, shooting splits of 26 and 12. We don't Not like good. that. Not good. Um, 3.8 field goal attempts, two three-point attempts, half an attempt from the line. His next three games, Iowa State, Oklahoma State, Florida, he averages 9, 9, 5, and 2.3 steals on 45, 36, 87. Like that. 6.7 field goal attempts, 3.7 three-point attempts. 2.7 free throw attempts. Just stay with me, folks. Next three games, six, five, and seven on 53, 40, 100. Now, the attempts are not anywhere compared to the last run, but still, you're seeing him fill up the box score. And then his last three games, he's nine, six, four, and two, but his shooting splits are 28 28. It's like, And he has 10 field goal attempts a game right now in his last three games. So it's just, it's crazy because you're, you're also seeing teams right now are going just shoot it. Yeah. And he he has some games where he's like, fine, I'll take it. And it doesn't look pretty, but he has the ability to hit it from outside. And I just think it's going to be one of those guys where he, he's getting games where he's getting double digit rebounds. He's getting eight assists. He's getting forced. He just kind of is a, Jack of all trades. And it's just the outside shot is the only thing holding him back. But it's like, if he's this lethal defender, he can make plays. He can be a playmaker. He can rebound. He's going to be one of the best athletes on the court. I mean, are we going to say like, to heck with the shot? What if we put Andre Jackson on the court with the golden state warriors right now? I mean, it's just one of those things where it's like, if you put him on a team, where you're just like run crazy, do what you do and pass the ball to our shooters. Like I feel like he's just going to be a a really fun weapon that teams are going to be like, "Dang, like this is this is annoying to deal with." I don't know. That's my rant.
0: Yeah, no, I, I I completely agree. And like I with so many of these guys I think about it through just a Timberwolves lens because that's the horrible prism my brain is trapped in. And it's like this dude would Help immediately. Like, just throw that fucking chaos out there. Like, please, just let him, Jaden McDaniels, Anthony Edwards, run around and use their athleticism and length and activity and just wreak havoc. Love it. Absolutely. The shot is – let's talk about the shot. Yeah. Because you have to shoot. You can't be a complete non-shooter. The percentages are bad, but – I I don't know how to feel about it. I hate the mechanics. He has like this really narrow base. He he has elbow flare all the time. He brings the ball up in the middle of his face and it's like this like low push shot. I kind of think the whole shot almost needs to be reworked, but I don't hate his touch necessarily. Like it doesn't feel like it's like he's just chucking bricks against the glass. And I, it also feels like he knows he's a bad shooter and that that's not his game, and he's not out there forcing stuff. When the ball gets to him, he doesn't sit there and look at the 10 feet between him and the defender and hesitate and then you know just kill the flow of the offense. He keeps the ball moving, or he attacks, or he says, fuck it, and takes the shot, which he did in the Xavier game at the start. I think he started like 3 of 5 or 4 of 7 or something like that, um, and it forced Kobe Jones to stop sitting under the free throw line when he defended him. And it's like, okay, that's the kind of stuff that you have to do. You don't have to be 40% from three, but can you make them not completely ignore you and treat you like Tony Allen?
1: Yeah, so, I I mean, he he will... He's patient enough to where like, he's not going to just be like, Oh, I'm wide open. I'm taking it every time. I yeah. think he tries to work it. And then finally, eventually he's like, okay, fine bet. Yeah. Like I'm going to shoot it. If you're going to just try to disrespect me.
0: If it's like the third time that the ball gets back to him in a possession, he'll be like, all right, here we go. Yeah. It,
1: and and it's like, I almost like it that way because he looks for the pass. Like he has a, a lot of high lows where it's like, right. Yeah. Off, it's great looks. Um, he's a willing passer. And you could tell that by his assist numbers. I, I you know, he is 28% from three right now. He was 36% from three last year, but on 1.8 attempts, he's 3.5 attempts this year. I love Which that mean, volume. I love it because he's willing to shoot. And, and he has games where it's the shot is just – it really is all over the place. And I the, – the, the thing is, is I think he's – I don't know if it's like a disaster because – he seems like he's got good No, nah, I have to it, The funny thing is I'm trying to remember his shot and I'm like there's seven parts of his shot. I'm trying to remember everything. But hey, I feel like bad. he's got good feet and like kind of gets squared up, but it's just the the loading process is just kind of like whoa.
0: And it kind of comes like up across and like through the middle of his yeah, body.
1: And I'm right there with you. The touch is fine. Yeah, It's just the the whole process. Like I like the base but the process to get to where he's shooting it seems like it just, can we delete that? Like, <laughs> I feel like I want to cut that and just get rid of it. And then, because I, I think, you know, I've talked to um, a buddy of mine who's, a, I, I've played with him before and he's probably one of the better shooters I've ever played with. And he, I was just like at, picking his mind about shooting. Cause that's something I want to be able to describe way better. And um, he was just like, you know, I, I was like, well, do you think lower body or upper body is like, easier to fix and he was saying probably like lower body um or no I, I think he said upper body see i get so confused now with talking about shooting but he was just like upper body you just if you he said balance is so important and if you can't if you don't have that natural feel with balance you're you're in for a rough storm but he was just saying like if, as long as you have good touch and stuff you can tinker with the upper body a little bit but as long if you have messed up feet and it's all over the place and your hips are pointing a different direction it could be a nightmare so i i just feel like some team's gonna look at him and be like we'll figure it out i mean he he does too many things potentially to be a game wrecker that i think if he's your seventh or eighth guy and it's like hey he he doesn't have it one night and you're like that's fine we'll go another direction but if all of a sudden he comes off the bench and, you know, he's putting up nine, eight, and seven in your rotation with two steals, you're like, oh my gosh, like, this guy is awesome. So I, I don't know. I just, the more I watch Andre Jackson, the more I'm trying to convince myself, like, this is, someone's going to do it. Someone's going to believe in him. And I love that you have him top 25. I was like, oh gosh, I, I, because I'm just watching him. And I'm like, some team at the end of the first round is going to say, this guy could be a, game changer for our rotation. Like he could really take a step in the, in the right direction. And it might be a team that has multiple picks. Um, they might just say this is worth it because the, the sky, the ceiling really could get moving in a hurry for our team.
0: Okay. Comp time. Um, the, a couple that I, I don't think there's a perfect one. Um, I don't think there's a perfect one for any of these, but bear with us. And as always, it's never a one for one. It's, it's pieces of it. It's the idea of this player. So settle down. Um, A couple that kind of always come to mind for me are Andre Igudala as the like best, you know, 95th percentile outcome for him. Um, That athleticism, the ball movement, the defense, the passing. Um, Another one is like a, a Bruce Brown type player. So when you think Andre Jackson and you think of guys who have done in the NBA, what he could do, what do you think of?
1: Um, Bruce Brown's a good one. The problem is I'm trying to think of a psychotic athlete. (laughs) Um, And I hate pro comparisons more than anything in the world. And the only name I thought of is, much much better than Andre Jackson. I'm sorry, um, an extremely poor man's version of Sean Marion.
0: Hmm.
1: Extremely poor.
0: <laughs> okay, so I one also, of the- got it.
1: No, I'm just saying. <laughs> like it's also funny going back and looking at. It. I I didn't real. I didn't remember that uh, Sean Marion averaged 18 and nine yeah. um, in college. That's pretty damn good.
0: The shot was ugly, but it was good
1: 18 and nine with 2.5 steals 1.9 blocks shootings with a 52 29 73 um yeah i hate pro comparisons and it's just with andre he's like a unique it's a it's really unique i joke and also say like he's inspector gadget he just can be all over the place he just you also clipped that full court press one and i was just like that's what he does like that is a Game wrecker. Um, You know, like as a Celtics fan, I love Marcus Smart. Marcus Smart makes me pull my hair out sometimes. But Marcus Smart also has four plays a game sometimes where I'm like, oh my gosh, he just completely shifted the momentum. And that's where I get that vibe of Andre Jackson. Like he could be a guy that just comes off the bench and huge block, huge dunk. I mean, he he against – was it Providence last night they played? Or no, Uh, no, 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 not Providence. I'm not blanking. Um, who just beat them? Come on, Xavier. Yeah, Xavier. No, no, no. So they played. They Xavier beat them, and then Providence played them last night. Okay. And he had like a, a off the dribble attack where it was like one dribble, and he got to the free throw line. I was like, oh my gosh, he's gonna throw down a monster slam, and he just like behind his head just floated. And I was like, this dude is psychotic. So I'm just a big fan, and you know we've talked for 26 minutes about. Andre Jackson, but yeah, it, that's it's weird. It's a f- really fun curveball in this class.
0: Yeah. So, you know, we have five other names. So this may be a long one. Um, we will not be spending 25 minutes on all of them. But next up is a guy who I think both of us are re- still really huge fans of, and Kobe Jones, uh, who had an awesome game against UConn when they gave UConn their first loss of the season. Uh, He's a 6'6, 205 pound wing from Xavier, uh, averaging 14.3 points, 5.2 rebounds, 5.6 assists, 1.5 steals on 50, 45, 79 shooting splits. Go.
1: I'm going to say this once for the rest of the year, and then I'm going to, and this is all for the whole No Ceilings family that's listening. I remember everyone that wasn't a fan of Colby Jones in the beginning of the year. I remember everyone ignoring me for saying I love Colby Jones. Why won't anyone get on the Colby Jones bandwagon with me? I remember do not start trying to act like you were on that train. I was alone on that Island. I was Jack Sparrow getting left with nothing but a pistol and one shot on that Island. I love Colby Jones. I, I wrote about him at no NBA.com. It's absolutely free. There's your plug. I and then he has the big game, uh, the this, this statement game that he needed to kind of, you know, I love that they were in a crunch time for the upset win over UConn. He had some flashes. I thought in the first half, he, you know, even who we were just talking about, I thought Andre Jackson kind of had him in a, in a little bit of a nightmare um, just with his length. And Colby was kind of trying to force the issue a little bit and then down the stretch regroups, keeps battling um, and, and makes some big plays and, the shot's coming along the shot looks good this year i i just think this dude's a smart damn player and and if you look at his splits i think the second half of the year right now his points per game are down but he's still like 13 5 and 5 like he just fills it up and he plays yeah. tough and um i i i just think that's going to be a guy that just keeps getting better keeps working and one of those the more you play him, the more run he gets, the better he gets as the game goes on, because he's just going to keep chipping away. What about you? Are you, are you falling in love yet? Or are you, you know, you can't stop. You can't fight this feeling anymore. What's up, Metcalf?
0: I haven't at 19.
1: Good. <laughs>
0: Good. My um, charm's
1: working on you. I love it.
0: No, his is though. Um, he's just so, he's just a constant. And it's, mm-hmm. it's, 15, 5, and 5. I know those are like his averages right now, but it feels like that every single game. There isn't a game that he just completely fails to show up. Um, now, please don't go run to the box score or to the game log and tell me, oh, well, in this game, he sucked. So, yeah, I'm sure there are a couple out there. But the point is, he is all reliable for that Xavier team, where n- whether it's Suley Boom or Nanji or Zach Fremantle, you know, if one of them are going off, awesome. Colby is going to be there with his 15, six and five, every single game, they can count on it. They can count on his defense. The offense is all around effective. It's just really impressive. It's just a really mature game. It's something that we don't see from a lot of college kids because college kids are college kids, obviously. But I ran another query just to kind of see, get a vibe for who he was like in college. You're going to, fucking love this one! Oh
1: gosh i'm so excited for this
0: <laughs> uh he is one of five players to have a true shooting percentage of at least 60 assist percentage of at least 25 turnover rate under 25 block rate of at least two steal rate of at least 2.5 and shooting at least 40 percent from three on at least four attempts per 100 possessions the other names reed is petritus again from air force uh jalen house from new mexico this year Lonzo Ball, and Tyrese Alvern.
1: I need a minute. <laughs> Whoa. Whoa. You really had me with those two last names there.
0: <laughs> I, I, I also... figured I'd end on the high note.
1: Oh, gosh. <laughs> I mean, I also am f- entering a world. Well, now I, I'm going to have to watch the Air Force kids. I know.
0: I know. Any, any query that you run, basically, on Bartorovic, his name's popping up. I just, like, oh, I can't get rid no. of you. <laughs>
1: yeah can we talk about him or a second What's his, <laughs> um i just i just love him at kef because we talk about this all the time one of the most important things that's evaluating for me personally is if you don't have a good night shooting how else are you impacting the game and colby jones is the poster child for that i mean you look at his game logs he, against Indiana, he, he goes four for 11 from the field. He also, but he ends up with 13 seven rebounds, six assists, three steals, two blocks. Like he's just going to figure out a way to help your team. And, um, you know, I feel like I was like, okay, we got to see this folks. And then all of a sudden they play Gonzaga. He goes eight for 15 from the field. Um, three for three from three. Like he, I love how he just doesn't force the shots. Like he he waits for his shots, he picks it apart. And he finished with 22 and 7. Um and then like as we're saying, Yukon huge win. He has 16 4 5 and 2 on 7 of 10 shooting. I I just it's really underappreciated when you can completely impact a game with like 10 shots. Um and and that's what Colby Jones is showing. Like he might not score 30, but he's going to fill up the box score. He's going to make an impact and he does what he needs to for his team. Um, and, and I just love his patience. I think a lot of people have been like, Oh, is the three ball ever going to come out? I just think he knows, like, I don't have to force it. Like I can work to get to my shots. And now we're seeing the three is showing some promise. So um I think teams are going to be a big fan of his and I, I just love his game. I'm excited to, to see how he can keep this momentum going. Because that's a big win for Xavier. And if they can keep rolling and he can keep it up, he's going to heat up
0: in a hurry. I, I think something that's really important that you kind of hinted at there, going through those game logs, those are incredible teams. Those are some of the best yeah. teams in the country. And he's not fading at all. He's just doing his thing. He's continuing, continuously showing up and producing across a myriad of categories. He's doing a little bit of everything and it's not like he's just padding the stats against lower level competition. He's not, you know, feasting on the corpses of these, you know, worse mid major teams. He's doing it against the big dogs. He's doing it against everyone and he's never forcing that he's never out of control. He's never sped up. It's always just playing within himself, playing within the team concept, doing what needs to be done for that team to get a win. And by doing that, sure, he's not going to go off for 40 points anytime soon, if ever, but he's going to get double digit points and, you know, get near a triple double every time with really good defense. So he's just one of these guys that's incredibly reliable on a nightly basis, which you can say about very few college players. It's a special tool to be able to show up night in and night out. And it's just like, how quickly could this dude end up producing in an NBA rotation? And when I say producing, I mean, contributing positively.
1: I, I think people are going to overthink it. Cause you're going to be like, Oh, well, what's his upside. And it's like his upside is he's going to be able to do a lot of shit on the court. <laughs> like he, he's just one of these guys that's like, you're going to get, uh, uh, you know, grab your lunch pill every night and punch the clock. That's going to be Colby Jones. And I, I really just think, like You're saying it is, you're getting you're gonna get production out of Colby Jones. It might be in the points column, it might be with assists, it might be rebounds. But I mean, you know, I mentioned he had 22 against Gonzaga with seven rebounds, he had 22 and four or 22 5, four and two against Florida. Um, Indiana, as I said, he had one of his worst shooting nights, he's still had 13, 7, 6, 3, and 2. UConn has the great game. I mean, he just keeps producing, keeps putting up numbers. Duke earlier this year, he played one of his worst games. um, If you want to chase for stats and he had 7, and four on four of nine shooting. I mean, that, that was one of his worst games. It's like he took nine shots and it's just one of those things where this happens a lot in college basketball. And I think, you know, it's important to remind all of us, myself included. And we're going to talk about a guy later that this is my exact point is like, it takes just a little bit of a stretch to get really hot in NBA circles, like all it takes is a solid stretch, and you can do some serious climbing. And I think Colby Jones, with conference play coming up and that start going up against UConn, things could get interesting. And it, it this is going to happen for a lot of guys. Bryce right? Sensabaugh, Ohio State, another guy that's heating up right now. But it's just there's going to be some guys making some real push up some boards.
0: Okay, comp time. No. Yep, Colby no, Jones I'm... reminds you of i i don't have one for him i i okay so one that i kind of keep going back to is josh hart um
1: that's a good one that is a good one okay yeah no, there you no, go no no but well you didn't prep me and you could give me a week to get pro comps. well i i didn't decide like i
0: wanted to do comps until 25 minutes ago colby so jones colby jones Colby
1: Jones is Colby Jones. There's my comp. Um, No, Hart's a good one. That's a real good one. And I think that's going to be kind of his sales pitch at the next level is you're trying to say like, hey, whatever you want me to do, I'll do it. Um, The problem is I would have more enjoyment if I just had like a – could someone just create a list of like every potential comp player of all time? That would be great. Um, But I can't just think of them off the top of my head.
0: I don't know. Okay, fine. No, no more comps, then. All right. Um, do you have any more, Kobe Jones thoughts? No, no,
1: no, no, no. I'm good. You, you, you do the comps, and I'll tell you if I like them or not. Because right. I like that. You're that, that's better.
0: Okay. Uh, moving on then to third player here, uh, Grady Dick, wing, 205 mm-hmm. hundred five pound wing from Kansas, uh, currently averaging fourteen point six points, five point three rebounds, one point nine assists, one point six steals on forty seven forty seven seventy nine shooting splits kick and shoot
1: i yeah i'm in i'm spoiler alert that's gonna be who i'm writing about next week for no ceilings um i want to apologize to everyone for the amount of inappropriate jokes i will have in that segment including the title so buckle up for that one um someone someone volunteered that idea in the group and i just slowly raised my hand like I'll be that guy. <laughs> so I've already got some really funny stuff prepared. Um, I'm buying, you know, I, you were in on that early in the year um, when it came to Grady Dick as a prospect. and I was a little slow and cautious just because I was like, let me see the rest of the stuff. And I like him. I, I think he could play. I think he's doing a lot more talking about, you know, a guy filling up some box scores. Like he's, he's had some games with high number of steals. I think he had a five steal game earlier this year. Like, He's just showing a, a little bit of everything, so um, I'm I'm buying. It, it's I don't need to talk about Gritty Dick too much because you're, I'm going to write about him. But um, what about you? Have are you seen anything throughout the year, Metcalf? That's like making you feel even better. I mean, obviously the production's been eye opening, but is this what you were
0: expecting, or have you been pleasantly surprised? Um, yeah, I, I've been encouraged because I, I think he's shown that he's more than you know, just the stereotypical white shooter um being six eight helps a fuck ton um you know I, I think he's a solid athlete i don't think he's a great athlete but you know you you can throw him back backdoor lobs you can throw him lobs in transition he can finish above the rim um not that he's doing it regularly but i've i've been more encouraged with what he's doing in attacking closeouts um you know, I I think the Christian Brown compare or Christian Brown comparisons were ine- inevitable because that's basically who he replaced in with that roster spot. But Brown was this lights out shooter his freshman year, sophomore year everyone figured it out, ran him off the line, and he couldn't do anything. And we saw his numbers plummet. And then last year he figured out what to do and jump back up. I think Grady's already step ahead in that department, not necessarily with the athleticism that Brown was finishing at the rim with um, or consistency that he was making the kickout passes with, but we're getting flashes of it. We're getting instances of him really timing that, you know, attacking that close out perfectly and hitting that two dribble mid range pull up. We're taking it all the way to the rim or dumping it off to KJ Adams in the dunker spot. It, it's stuff that's like, okay, you're, you're a step ahead of where most just pure shooters are at this point in, you know, most development curse. And I think that's really promising for what you can continue to grow in to going forward. Obviously I don't think he's ever going to be some dynamic on ball creator, but you're not going to be able to just run him off the line and live with it.
1: Hit a four game stretch recently where he averaged 16.5 points, 5.8 rebounds, 2.3 assists, 2.8 steals with shooting splits of 55, 52, 80. Um, his last three games, he's, you know, come a little bit da- back down to earth, which is expected when you're putting up those numbers. Um, but what I like, if you're just looking at game log stuff, like look, what I like is first five games of the year, he was smoking red hot, um, came back down to earth a little bit, then goes on another heater of us a, for a four game stretch. Now he just had, uh, two games where he's coming back down, just struggled shooting the ball but then Texas tech, he just had uh 11, eight, 11, eight, three, and three. Um, but I mean the, the Indiana performance, if you need to sell yourself on, on Grady Dick, you go watch him against Indiana. He had 26 and five steals on eight of 12 shooting. And we're talking about another guy that just completely can take over a game with not a high volume of shots. I mean, He's just showcasing a lot of stuff. I think everyone thought he was just going to come into the year and be this, okay, he's a, a, like you said, Christian Brown that just shoots it. And we're seeing more athleticism. We're seeing a little bit of nastiness away from the ball when it comes to on the defensive side of the ball. I, I just, I like him. I, I'm really excited to do that piece and and not just for the inappropriate jokes, but I'm just excited to talk in depth because, um another guy that i feel like is gonna slowly start creeping and gonna be one of the better shooters in this class and you know i thought this was gonna be a guy that potentially wasn't a one and done and now i'm like whoa, oh, Grady dick is gonna be you know some teams are gonna be very very fascinated with a six eight
0: wing that can shoot the cover off the ball okay um a, a little bit bit of this or that because I, i'm kind of struggling on where to place him
1: yeah um, i i like i like the this or that we need to make this just a an actual segment, like part of the show. Cause we've had some people say they love this.
0: Um, Grady Dick or Colby Jones?
1: Oh, why do you have to break my heart right away? <laughs> um, I'm, I'm, I'm sorry. I'm going to say Colby Jones and I know wow, okay. Grady Dick is probably going to get drafted before him, but if I needed to go to war right now, I think Colby Jones, would... Oh gosh, that hurts. Um, <laughs> no, I'll be smart. Okay. I'll, I'll, I'll think with my, Head, not my heart. I'll I'll go Grady Dick there. I changed okay. my mind.
0: Uh, Grady Dick or Jordan Hawkins.
1: Oh, you son of a gun! <laughs> um,
0: and I I'm I have a, all a, these a t- guys within five spots. So I'm
1: going to tell you right now. Oh gosh. Okay, I'll go Grady Dick. See, I'm I'm thinking with my head. I Jordan Hawkins. I, you know how I feel about Jordan. I love him, but I'll, I would say Grady Dick right now.
0: Uh, Grady Dick or Maxwell Lewis, Maxwell, uh, Grady or Anthony. That's Black? a
1: really good. That's a really good curveball, and and a lot of people will be on one side, but that's actually a very good debate. What would you say?
0: Uh, Grady Dick or Anthony Black? <sighs> what do I need?
1: <laughs> Those are two different players. Um, I would.
0: Go Anthony Black. Okay. Um, and this one isn't particularly close, but I feel like I got to ask it. So Gr- Grady Dick or Judd Howard? And when I say particularly close, Jed Howard. Good. Yeah. Okay. Smart man. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Um, Come on. Okay. Yeah. I mean, he's good. I'm very excited to see what the rest of his season looks like. Uh, but next up, Chris Murray Um, brother of no ceilings favorite last year, Keegan Murray. Um, Sorry, just pulling up his numbers here. Chris Murray, 6'8", 220 pound, uh, forward from Iowa, averaging 20.4 points, 9.8 rebounds, 1.9 assists, 1.1 blocks, 50, 37, 78 shooting splits. I need help with this because I am struggling to buy the hype that a lot of people are trying to sell.
1: I'm probably right there with you. Um he's gonna be a guy that if he goes late first or middle of second, uh early second won't shock me. Like wherever he goes, I, I'm gonna be like, Yeah, I get it. If someone takes him at twenty six, I'm gonna be like, Well, they're thinking he's a smart player that can shoot and they need it. If he falls to thirty eight, I'm gonna be like, Okay, like, you know, and I'm just throwing out numbers. But this is the the thing with him is that Duke game he really just it just was a like the quicksand game I you know if you've seen the replacements when Shane is c- talking about quicksand it was that was literally Chris Murray against Duke he just couldn't get anything to fall everything was like rimming out um just was hell in a cell for him and then he's just come back i think he just had like a He had like a 20 rebound game. He just had 32, I think, against Penn State. Like He he puts up crazy numbers, but I'm just trying to figure out. The debate with myself for Chris Murray is if you're putting him with better players, is he going to be an awesome asset to have? Um, Or is he putting up these numbers because he's getting force fed with Iowa? And I think that's where I'm at right now. And I think Chris Murray can play. I just am trying to figure out where to personally value him. And it's going to, another important thing, and I want to remember to bring this up um, throughout the next couple of months, but like I was talking to, I think you and the guys um, earlier this week. And I was like, Hey, you know, with all the draft pick, you know, projections for next year, like we're not going to have the classic like playoff team run, at the end of the first round, because a lot of those picks are going to teams and trades. So it's like, you know, the Hornets have a couple of picks. The Pacers have a couple of picks, you know what I'm just trying to say. So I was like, all those teams that were like, Oh, the playoff team could use Chris Murray at the end of the first. It's like, well, that actually might be the Charlotte Hornets who are looking for upside. So it's it's just going to be interesting. And obviously the standings can change and where everybody is, but I don't know. Um, Where are you at with them?
0: I get the production. is it, it, it is what it is. And at some point you have to respect how impressive it is. Um, some of the numbers that he puts up are kind of bonkers. I'm just not like the, the numbers just don't match the tape for me. And when obviously the comparisons, obviously him and Keegan are different players, but they're twins. They're brothers went to the same school. They're going to get compared. I think Keegan's in a vastly different class of player than Chris. Um, and I, I don't mean to slander or insult Chris during this discussion at all, but the, I think the, the difference in athleticism is the biggest one and how Keegan was able to get to his shots. Keegan created a lot on his own. He created those, uh, you know, mid post face-ups and turn turnarounds and step backs. Um, I trusted his outside shooting a little more. I think Chris has some, when he misses, he can miss pretty bad, um, And then just the, the ability to create anything on his own. I just don't see it Um, as a standstill spot up shooter. I think he's really good as an offensive rebounder, really good. Um, You know, being a play finisher on the inside, really good. But at what point are you taking that? Um, I, I think defensively he's really reliable. I just worry about what type of cap is on him as a player Given the lack of explosiveness and that lack of burst and that lack of handle, um, I don't know. It's tough because he's just a type of player where the the numbers in the film aren't aligning for me. And it's really throwing me through a loop. And especially there are a bunch of guys and, you know, a bunch of the squad at No Ceilings really likes him and is really high on him. And it's I just don't see it.
1: Yeah, it's it's tough. Um, you know, you go watch him against Georgia Tech, and if you only watch that game, you're like, this is a lottery pick because he was just a beast. He was just, he had 31, 20, and four um, with two blocks on 11 of 18 shooting. Then he goes and he was just on a heater, like a strong stretch of games. Then he goes and plays Duke. He had eight, seven, and three on three of nine shooting. Um, just never could get it going in that game. And, and to be fair, I actually liked what I saw against Duke Cause he was just, a, he was just trying to figure out something to do. And I thought he made some brilliant passes and, um, but you know, the interesting thing with him is you go look at some of these numbers, Penn state, he puts up 32 and nine, 12 of 20 shooting. Um, he has the 31 and 20 game. He has another, you know, 30 point game. Um, played a lot of minutes oh i mean he played 40 minutes against penn state he played 39 minutes against georgia tech he played 36 against duke 36 against nebraska so what are you getting at is like okay is this a guy that needs a lot of run to get you know his attempts or what are you going to do all of a sudden when he's a rookie coming in and playing 15 minutes is he going to be as productive or is this a guy that needs touches And, and i think this is the scary one because it's either we're overthinking it um, or he's going to go to a really smart, fit-dependent team that's like, oh, this is a great fit for him that doesn't need him to average you know, 15 a game. They just need him to play smart and be a complimentary piece. I don't know. And that's why he's a great topic for this episode because it, it, it could be if he goes to the right place, he does raise a, a team ceiling because Chris Murray can play. He's smart. He's shown me some stuff around the basket yep. when it comes to his touch and his footwork. He's battled, but um, I don't know. It's it's just going to be fascinating to watch him the rest of the year because that Duke game, we're talking about Duke. You know, Duke just got their ass kicked by NC State. No offense to the Wolfpack. Shout out, Wolfpack. Um, but Duke has been just, whew, we've talked about this all year, and he was in hell going against duke so i'm i just want to see what is he going to do going up against you know conference play what what a shocker it sounds like a similar story last year to keegan huh
0: but i don't know yeah i i I think their games are drastically different Um, i agree but when you talk about a team going up and getting him i i would almost feel more encouraged if that happened where if a team traded up to 27 and took him there i'd be like oh okay they have a plan for him they know exactly what they want from him and what he can bring to their team because they're gonna use him as the seventh guy they're gonna plant him in the corner and tell him to offensive rebound and just play sound defense and awesome that's a role that they're missing and he can fill that immediately if a team reaches on him in the fucking teens like i'm seeing some people rank him i'm Entirely out on that idea because I I just don't think he's going to I I think the expectations at that point get too lofty and try to turn him into a player that he isn't or at least right now isn't Um, I I, he's a really smart player. There's a lot that he can do. I just think that the landing spot is going to have to be very specific and the the way that the team uses him is going to have to be really specific.
1: It's uh, I'm I'll throw out a hypothetical and for everyone listening, I'm not even talking about like the rosters. I'm not connecting anything. I'm just throwing out a scenario, but um, so I don't want any fan base to come at me and be like, we wouldn't do that. We have this guy, this guy um, just get my point. It's the thunder taking a lottery pick in the top 10 next year. And then trading back into the first to be like, we're going to go get Chris Murray to be our eighth guy. Like something like that, where you're just mm-hmm. like, hey, there, our eighth guy's a really smart player that can space the floor. There we go. We got yeah. a nice piece on the in our rotation with Chris Murray to pair with Brandon Miller in the lottery. Or, you know, I'm just saying like, then all of a sudden you have depth and Chris Murray's this intelligent player that can hit the outside shot, make the right pass and battle on the boards. You don't need him to do much. You just need him to, to punch the clock every night. And I'm like you, if, if you take him top 20, I hope you got an extension. I mean, I I just, and it's nothing against Chris Murray. It's just, that's a swing. Um, You better be thinking he's got levels and levels above his game. And um, I really like Chris Murray. Um, And it's not just because, you know, I'm still the CEO of the Keegan Murray fan club, but I like Chris. I think he's a smart player. I think he's going to play in the NBA for a long time. It's just, it's just the role.
0: Yeah. And it's, what we're talking about is basically what we saw the Grizzlies do with LaRavia and Santi Aldama yes. and David Roddy. And they've had very specific plans of how to use those guys. And it's worked because they've been, they've held true to those plans. They understood what player they were getting and how that player could do, immediately impact the rotation. Not all NBA teams are like that. And that's what worries me with so many of these guys. But I, I think a guy who can provide a little more versatility, um, right from the start, who's having an awesome year is Jalen Wilson, uh, 68 225 pound, uh, forward from Kansas averaging 20.6 points, 8.4 rebounds, 2.9 assists, uh, on 42, 34, 74 shooting splits. Talk to me about Jalen.
1: Still love him. Um, I still think whoever gets them is going to be a very happy fan base. Um, you know, it's funny. I I didn't realize it till like we got to Jalen Wilson, but I feel like there's a common theme with a lot of these guys: consistency. And it's not going to be the you know the sexiest thing, but they're going to figure out a way to help out. And if their shots not falling, they're going to figure it out. And um, I know we just talked about Chris Murray, and I brought up the Duke game, but that was one game. And like I said, he was trying to make an impact that game, and other games he's exploded. Jalen Wilson, I just feel like this is. This has been a perfect year for him right now. Um, all he needs to do is keep keep the foot down, keep the pedal you know, keep the pedal to the metal, keep keep rolling because he's shown a lot. He's shown some versatility, and I don't know where he goes in the first round, but I think wherever he goes, I'm going to be a fan of it because some team's going to believe in him. And if you get him at a certain range, you're going to be very very happy because I think this is exactly the type of guy that we're talking about in this episode of like this is a ceiling raiser potentially. Jalen Wilson is going to be able to do a lot of stuff. And um, I think he's just going to be a guy that plays a long time at the next level.
0: Yeah. In the, for me, this, he is one of like the epitomes of this type of player that we're talking about where in the opening, you know, we were like, all right, this isn't a guy that you build a team around. This isn't a guy that you rely on for 20 a night, but on a Tuesday in March, you know, in, uh, on the second night of a back-to-back on the road, can he get hot and go for 30? Sure. Can he at times take over and run the offense and be that defensive general? Sure. Is he going to do that all the time like he is at Kansas this year? No, and you don't want him to. I think what's been so special about this season for Jalen Wilson is he's showing us a whole nother level to his game that he will never show in the NBA. And I don't mean that as a slight because the the previous three years, he was this role player. He was playing off of Igbaji and Christian Brown and Asabuke, and, you know, all, all those guys. And he was there for cleanup duty. He was there to rebound. He was there to get his points whenever they presented themselves to him. He wasn't allowed to go out and create and handle the ball and take pull-ups and really dictate how this team ran. And this year, he's been given that responsibility and he is showing that he can do it. Does that mean he can do it and will play that role in the NBA? Of course not. But it, on five random nights of a season, could he show up and t- you know step out of his role and really elevate when the rest of the team doesn't have it going? Yeah, and that's what makes guys like him so exciting because they've proven that they can play basically any role that you need them to at a really high level and not only succeed individually, but make all of their teammates better, make the entire team better and achieve team success while doing that.
1: It's just an absolute humongous jump in production from last year. Um And I, I think everyone will hear the, the shooting splits and be like, eh, cause you're here in 41, 33, 74. And you're like, eh, those aren't that but it's a bigger story. I mean, last year he was 46-26-72, but that was on 8.7 field goal attempts a game, and that was on 3.13s a game. This year he's at 17.4 field goal attempts a game yeah. and 6.63s. What I also love, last year 3.1 free throw attempts, this year 5.2. Those are big jumps, and I know the minutes are up. I know everything, but he is they said, Jalen, you, you're the guy, this is your team. This is your, we need you. And when you see that massive of a jump in the attempts and you're still sticking around almost 40, 40, 80 or 40, 40, 75. I mean, that is a huge jump. I mean, 26% from three to 33 is a massive jump. Now, if he gets to a point where he's around 45, 35, 80, we're going to be pretty pumped about Jalen Wilson's, you know, trajectory at the next level I just have loved everything I've seen. I think he's had games where he shows he can take over as a playmaker. He has games where he can light it up scoring. I think even when he misses some shots around the basket, he's tough. He battles. He's physical. He, He's not backing down from anyone. So um, the outside shot was something we always were waiting. Like if this could turn around, you know, if, if it looks like it's going in the right direction, he can play. And it, it's been good this year. He's had some big games. So mm. another guy, if this can just keep, being consistent and you know kansas has another deep run jalen wilson's gonna be a a hot commodity even if he's an upperclassman i mean this is what we want with every upperclassman yeah. is go back keep working on your game and now he's he's it's paying off in a big
0: way because we're seeing it yeah and i so the concern would be all right when he's relegated to a lesser role and isn't consistently getting the ball, isn't getting in that rhythm on a possession-by-possession basis, does he revert back to those shooting splits that we saw? And I I think that's a legit concern. But at the same time, like when you look at some of the shots that he's taking and making this year, they're tough. There are a lot of dynamically created mid-range pull-ups. And I, I have to lean on the fact that he's doing what he's doing. The production is what it is. And when you take out a lot of these tough shots that he has to make, because when the clock's running down, he's the one who the ball's game skipped to and being like, we couldn't get anything for these 25 seconds here. Go figure it out. When you take out those shots, I, I just have to imagine that the percentages get better. And when he's able to be fed, you know, more quality, just spot up threes, You know, I don't think he's going to be a 40% shooter, but it wouldn't surprise me if he's around 36, 37 on volume and then can also attack closeouts and run a second-side pick-and-roll occasionally and just be that kind of gadget six-man that can be that physical scorer in all three levels.
1: My my worry is that we're going to overthink this and NBA teams are going to overthink this and it's going to be the upperclassman every time. Upperclassman tag that, you know, What's his upside? What is he really going to be able to help out? And, and, like you said, that's a legit question about like, hey, the limited limited run. Are you going to be able to produce in not as many minutes and not as many touches? Are you going to be able to be that effective still? Because a lot of guys, it's a completely different world going from the guy to all of a sudden, uh, hey, you're playing 18 minutes. Like, it's just you got to figure out how to make an impact. And I think Jalen Wilson's showing enough versatility this year that he's going to be able to help you out in a different number of ways. So that's why I would be like, yeah, it's an absolute great value wherever you get
0: him. And and I think his defense has been so good this year, too, and so much more consistent than it was in previous years. And that, and that just gives me even more confidence that, OK, sure, he's not, you know, he, sure, he's only shooting 33, 34 percent from three in the pros. Not good. Not where you want it to be but he's still playing this awesome defense. And I I think we see, I think that jump in his game is legitimate and sustainable. Um, Chris Murray or Jalen Wilson? Jalen. Murray or Sensabaugh? Sensabaugh. Sorry, I meant Wilson or Sensabaugh.
1: Gosh, everyone's going to massacre me, but I would, I would say Wilson because of the versatility, and I know Sensible Sensible is I'm warming up on Sensible, but I just Wilson. I think I'm going to get a guy that even if the shot's not falling, he's going to make an impact.
0: Uh, Wilson or Juricic?
1: You. Uh, right now I would say Wilson.
0: Uh Wilson or Strother? Wilson. Um.
1: That Jersich one was dirty.
0: Will <laughs> uh, Wilson or Andre Jackson?
1: That's a good one. Um, where am I picking? What's my record? <laughs> um, I would go Wilson. Wow. Okay. Only because I. I, I I go Wilson, but just because if if I I would the shot. Yeah. It's the shot. It's that's all, all it would be. If I had a team of shooters, I'd probably go Jackson. Fair enough.
0: Okay. Well, someone else whose shot is still a bit of a question, but has improved a tremendous amount. Uh last guy on the list, Kobe Bufkin. Uh 6'4, 195 pound guard from Michigan uh averaging 12.2 points 3.8 rebounds 2.8 assists 1.4 steals on 47 33 82 shooting splits talk to me about kobe
1: okay so everyone that stayed with us this long you're in for a treat because metcalf doesn't know this but i did some homework and on his boy he's been about hyping time. up he's been hyping up kobe buffkin all year i finally dove in i watched i am a fan um 6'4, sophomore guard lefty smooth like them. But here we go. Metcalf. Here you go. Now buckle up for some numbers because I'm going to surprise you. Okay. So Kobe Buffkin's first eight games this year, he had 9.6 points, 3.9 rebounds, 2.9 assists, 1.4 steals, 1.1 blocks shooting splits of 37, 20, 89. His last six games, 15.7 points, 3.7 rebounds, 2.7 assists, 1.3 steals, shooting splits, 58, 52, 73. Now I'm going to give you a guy and you're going to guess who it was. He doesn't play this year. He played in a previous draft. Um, I'm not going to tell you the year cause you'll guess, but here you go. His first 22 games. He had averages of 7, 5, 3, and 1, shooting splits of 45, 26, 84. Sounds kind of familiar to Kobe Bufkin. His last five games of the year, he had 13, 5, 4, and almost 2 on 57, 64, 85. Kind of sounds familiar to Kobe Bufkin. Who do you think that was? I have no idea. Former Arizona Wildcat, Dalen Terry. God, I didn't think you were going to be yeah. that obvious because,
0: God damn it, I'm mad at myself. <laughs> I didn't think you were going to be that obvious with it because all year I've been saying Kobe Buffkins, this year's Dalen Terry. Oh, I thought I you were going la- to be a different route. I was it.
1: laughing so hard getting, I had like five different ways to bring that up, and I was laughing so hard because I was like, how are these so perfect? Because um, you even go back and looked, and I was going to do it, I did. Dalen Terry's first 8 games last year and this is if everyone stayed with me this is what I was hinting at earlier. Last year I think it, I erased it but it was like Dalen Terry's first 8 games cuz I was comparing it to what Kobe's doing this year. He had like 5 points a game and he was filling it up with rebounds and assists but I was just like okay like and then you go see those last 5 games and that's what I'm talking about. It, all of a sudden, you can start making some serious momentum with a solid stretch. And, um, you know, Dale and Terry last year, they get to the conference tournament for the Pac-12. Kirk Crease goes down with an injury. They had to lean on Dale and Terry, and he just exploded. And he was having good games throughout the year, but then all of a sudden, I have this crazy breakdown. I'm not going to ruin everyone's life with all these numbers, but I had, like, shot attempts per game, three-point attempts per game. And it's really interesting to see kind of The similarities with Kobe's all of a sudden getting in this stretch and then Dalen Terry getting in that stretch. But after all of that, I hope you you guys don't have a headache. Um take Advil if you need to. Tylenol works too. Or just, you know, have a beer. But Kobe Bufkin, I'm really intrigued because you watch him and all of a sudden this looks like a different guy lately. And there's some playmaking chops. There's some great vision. He's one of another game wrecker that I'm talking about where he can make some plays. And I see what you're talking about. Um, there's some, I like the feel and I'd like the shot. I was, I was shocked looking at his percentages to start the year and then watching the film. And I was like, that shot looks pretty smooth. So are you, are you, you still believe this is going to be a Dalen Terry kind of late potential riser. He just needs this, this Michigan run. They need to go a little strong in conference play. And all of a sudden I feel like Kobe Bufkin could be the guy that's like, allow me to introduce
0: myself. Yeah. I, he, he's one of the most important players on that team. I know. So I have him at 32 right now. And I know that is aggressive for where everyone else has him. Um, but, I have
1: Je- I have Hood Shafino in my top twenty, and apparently I'm a si- <laughs> I need to be thrown into Arkham Asylum from seeing some of these mainstream big boards.
0: Um, but like if, if you <laughs> are on, if, if you go on Bartorvik and just kind of play around with his numbers to see who compares to him, it's there there's a lot of fun that you can have because I'm mean, offensive rating of one mm-hmm. 1- Of 113, true shooting percentage of 56, assist rate of 17, turnover rate of 12, uh, block and steal rates of both over 2.5, three pointers per 100 possessions at six and a half. When you back, like, there aren't a lot of guys who do a little bit of all of that at the same time. So, like, when you play around with the filters, you can get a lot of really fun comps. But the jump he's taken this year, it doesn't feel fluky because it's the scoring is in all three levels. As the games go on, he's starting to experiment and be a little more effective with off the bounce scoring. Um, He's got really good vision as a passer. The point of attack defense is awesome. He is easily their best perimeter defender. Um, I, I just think he's a guy that you will be able to plug into any playoff team and he will immediately make whatever lineup he's on the floor with better.
1: Yeah. I thought actually, I'm glad you brought that up. I thought he has violent hands defensively. I mean, he is a Cobra when he sees a window, like when he sees that light to attack, he gets there in a hurry. And I was like, Whoa, okay. And then, he had some um he had a transition steal that it was just like I was like, oh, go get that. Like he just read it. He was baiting the guy a whole time and all of a sudden just reached up, like, go go gadget arms. And I was like, okay, Kobe, you have my attention. Um, so I'm i I'm a big fan. I mean, that's that's what I'm saying, folks. We're getting to that midpoint of the year. Someone's gonna come out of nowhere that you're not expecting. And Kobe Bufkin's making a a serious, you know, case to be all of a sudden a guy out of nowhere and um there's going to be a lot more of them. You know, Mike Miles is TCU, everyone's talking about his performance against Baylor last night. It's like, hey, Mike Miles can play. We've known this yeah. since last year, but now all of a sudden he's taken it to another level and um this is the time of the year where I also feel like we stop scouting for new like out of nowhere guys and we start remembering like, oh yeah, Mike Miles is pretty damn good. We <laughs> should probably remember that and but there it's just you you have to start this is where people make the moves. We call it mover season. This is when it happens. It's conference play. And right after that, you know, midway point of the year. And there's a lot of guys I hope understand that and start making a move because I'm frustrated with waiting, but this is why we do it folks. We love it. But I, I I'm right there with you. You got me on the, the Kobe Bufkin train. You look smart again. I love it.
0: Well, I I'm incredibly excited for this to backfire and it right in my face, but I just, I think this Michigan team is going to, I think they're better than what their record says they are. Yes, um, They have like four or five losses within four points. Um, they desperately need that third option on offense. Uh, Judd Howard is the real deal. Uh, Hunter Dickinson is Shaquille O'Neal when he's playing Maryland. And, you know, he, he is what he is. Um, but if Kobe can step into that legitimate third scoring option on the offense and keep those outside shooting percentages above 30 i don't really need them to be 40 percent. that'd be great it'd be awesome i'd love that but as long as he's hovering in that 33 to 35 range i think that's enough improvement because i like the form and the shot selection and the way he gets into his shots it feels comfortable and i think there's a lot of potential and growth there for him um so if this continues on this trend it wouldn't shock me if a team tries to get him to stay in and jumps at him in the late first, early second.
1: His shooting touch, just cause I'm going to throw another lefty out, but it, it's almost like it, it reminds me of Mike Conley where it's mm-hmm. like, it, it seems as if when he's about to get going with his shot, it's like under control and, and yeah. not rushed and good feet and stuff. I was just like, Oh, like, cause I saw him coming off like a movement, um, shooting it like, and I was like, Oh, it's smooth. He got himself gathered and stuff, but this is also what everyone needs to remember when you're evaluating like Kobe Bufkin playing 10 minutes a game last year. Yep. All of a sudden now he's he's averaging, fi- you know, 13, I oh don't know, I'm sorry. He's averaging 15 three and two in his last six games. Kobe Bufkin might be like, "Oh crap, I can play like <laughs> yeah. This is gr- I, I'm my confidence is surging right now. Like, all right, like here we go." So now all of a sudden you're getting a, a completely different player because he's he's believing in himself. You know, shout out Morpheus. He's starting to believe, like, and maybe he's realizing, like, hey, Michigan's got a squad, but he's like, I can be that next guy. I can step up when Hunter's got an off night or Jet Howard's shot's not falling. Like, I can, I can get mine too. So, um this is also when, when guys start having stretches of games like this, this is where you want to watch them because also when they have the disappointing game, how do they bounce back? Is it all of a sudden they go one way or the other or is this here to stay? So he's got my attention. Thank you, Metcalf.
0: Love it. Well, this, this was a long one, but I think these are guys who are going to be really important in this draft. Uh, Not only come draft time, but five, six years from now, I think these are going to be guys who are making impacts in the league. And I'm I'm glad that we ran through them. This was a really fun one. Rucker, please plug away. Tell the people where they can find you.
1: Um, I'm at... Tyler underscore Rucker on Twitter. I'm at noceilingsmba.com all the time. A couple announcements for all you YouTube fans. Midterms are coming back. The very popular and highly anticipated midterms. Um, If you are new, those are going to be season highlights for all the top prospects. Well, actually, probably about 40 or 50 prospects in the first half of the season. We do midterms and finals, little play on school. There you go. Don't hurt your head. And um, as I said, I'll be writing about Grady Dick next week. But most importantly, everyone needs to go, when you listen to this, go to noceilingsnba.com tomorrow because Tyler Metcalf's going to have a heck of a piece that is going to make some, <laughs> some waves around the internet. I'm already excited <laughs> for some of the reactions. <laughs>
0: Uh, yeah, well, hopefully it's good. I guess we'll find out. Well, only one way to do, do so, though. Um, go over to noceilingsmba.com. It's all free. But that 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 piece will be on GG Jackson's passing. Uh, the good, the bad, the ugly, the encouraging, all of it. Um, So go check it out. It's 100% free and just sign up. Just click that subscribe button while you're there to make sure that you never miss anything that we publish. Uh, once again, I'm Tyler Metcalf. You can follow me on Twitter at Tmetcalf11. Um, like I said, all of our written works at NoSealingsNBA.com. It's 100% free. You can follow us across all socials at no NBA and check out all of our videos on YouTube at no TV. If you enjoyed this episode, please make sure to subscribe, leave a review, and five-star rating. Till next time, see ya.